All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. My guest today is Bryce Austin. Bryce started his technology career on a Commodore 64 computer and a cassette tape drive. Today, he is a leading voice on technology and cybersecurity. Bryce holds a CISM certification and is an internationally recognized professional speaker. His firsthand experience of what happens during a cybersecurity crisis as it did to Target due to their 2013-2014 PCI data breach. In his free time, Bryce is a high-speed track driver and coach. He's driven cars from a 65-horsepower Mini Cooper to a 650-horsepower Porsche 911 Turbo. He has had over 100 students, none of whom have died while under his instruction. Bryce, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lisa. Bryce, share with us a little bit about your background and how basically you went from car racing and coaching to cybersecurity. (laughs) The twists and turns a career takes. Uh, So let's see. I thought I was going to be a PhD chemist. And after a couple of years of grad school, decided I didn't want to be a PhD chemist. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Oops. Went into technology for fun, had done consulting for years, ended up in the payroll space. And payroll is a ripe target for cyber criminals. You know, think about what payroll does for for your company. You take a big pot of money and you move it into a bunch of small pots. Well, if a criminal can get in there, make up a janitor and see how long it takes someone to notice. You know, wait till one of these law firms runs their quarterly bonus run for eight gazillion dollars and change all the bank accounts to yours and never be seen from again. These were not hypothetical issues we were dealing with. This was, this was real world. So I did that for a small company for a few years. And then for Wells Fargo, as CIO of their payroll division for eight years. And then went over to Target just in time for the breach. And wow. that was a large transition in my career. So I decided to go off and start my own company, helping others understand these cybersecurity risks so they can make good conscious decisions about them. Well, and 2013, 2014 is really when we started hearing a lot about these breaches, wasn't it? I mean, was there, was was it going on before or why did all of a sudden it become such a forefront topic? Well, it started hitting people like you and I, Lisa. Um, Before that, there was the Stuxnet attack where uh, allegedly the U.S. and the Israelis went after the Iranian uh, Iranian nuclear centrifuges, and that was 2010. Um, It's been going on for a long time, but I think Target was the first large-scale breach where most of the world knew about it, and a large section of certainly the U.S. was impacted by it. Uh, and then we had Home Depot, and then we had a whole bunch of others that uh, that went down. And a few years after that, then we had Equifax. And essentially, every American taxpayer had most of their sensitive information siphoned off, and now it's being used to try to trick us to do things that we shouldn't be doing. So when cybercrime first started, we heard about these criminals going in and just stealing data and stealing information. But now it's gotten even scarier with ransomware. I mean, now they're taking it to a whole new level. So share with us why all of a sudden that's going on and what can we do to protect ourselves? 
Sure. Well, some companies have data that is valuable on the black market, on the dark web. Uh, and if you are in Equifax, if you're a healthcare company, they don't need to shut you down to profit from you. They can simply steal that data and resell it. Same thing that happened with Target and the credit card numbers. Most of us, though, particularly in the manufacturing industry, there isn't a treasure trove of easily sellable data that we have. What the cyber criminal figured out is that they don't have to steal your data and sell it to someone else. They can simply steal it from you and block your access to it, and you will pay to get it back. And that's the, the very tenet of ransomware. That's how it works. They will get into your systems. They will encrypt your data using some ridiculously long decryption key that no one would ever be able to guess. And unless you pay up, then you don't have access to your data, which typically means you don't have the ability to run your company. And it's a very profitable business model for them. Um, you've heard about Colonial Pipeline, where they shut down the Eastern Seaboard's ability to transfer fuel. Uh, JBS Foods is the number one meat packer on the planet. Uh, I think they do 20% of it. They got popped. Uh, and then CNA Financial, in one of the ultimate ironies, they are a large insurance company that offers cybersecurity liability insurance, including ransomware payouts. Well, their payout set records. They paid $40 million to the cyber wow. criminals to get their data back. So to the manufacturing industry, this has become uh, a more and more serious issue because, to be honest, manufacturers hadn't had to worry about this until recently. Until the last few years, it was a small enough risk to where you could kind of ignore it. And now I'm guessing most people in the audience either have dealt with some sort of cybercrime or they know a company that has. So now we do need to worry about it. So the second part of your question was, what do we do about it? Well, we could write books on that. <laughs> but the, the short-term uh, takeaways are as follows. Multi-factor authentication, or MFA, this is something that keeps 95% of the bad guys out of your systems, because if they guess your username and your password, there is another step they have to take to get into your systems, and it's called MFA. If you simply hop online, if you Google MFA space Gmail, heck, even your, your personal social media accounts or your business social media accounts, MFA space Facebook, MFA space LinkedIn, all of these platforms support MFA. It takes you five minutes to set it up, and it makes you and your company a porcupine in the land of squirrels when it comes to cyber criminals. They're going to go after the squirrels. You want to be a porcupine. MFA is huge. Uh, a lot of companies aren't patching their computers. Uh, to be honest, for most of my clients, I recommend they set them to auto patch. And uh, walking through doing that isn't that difficult. It's something that you can also Google and figure out how to do. But as soon as someone finds a vulnerability in a piece of software, typically the software manufacturer makes a new version of it. And that's great, assuming you patch it, assuming you put in that mm. new version. Otherwise, the vulnerability just sits out there. So patching is very important. Uh, we have a lot of technology that's out there that wasn't designed for today's internet, where the world's been shrunk to the head of a pin and we can have bad guys halfway around the world trying to get into our systems. Um, that old technology, if it needs to be hooked up to a network, typically those networks are hooked up to the internet. They have to be ready to have a reasonable level of cyber defense. And if you can't put antivirus software on that new CNC lathe that you put in, or this new internet of things, uh, heating and cooling system that you put in, 
if you can't defend it against the internet, it shouldn't be on the internet. And a lot of these companies uh, that got hit, they are putting this antiquated technology out on the internet. And then they're so surprised when someone takes advantage of it. Wow. Well, there's one question though, and it, it seems to be with ransomware, if a cyber criminal comes in and they shut down your system until you pay, in that one case, you said $40 million, yeah. What is the integrity of the criminals? What do they have to actually then turn on your systems? I mean, they got the money. So are we talking about criminals <laughs> with integrity when it comes to ransomware? Or, and when that does happen, do you know where the vulnerability was? Or does that just take somebody coming in and finding out so that it doesn't happen again? Lisa, fabulous questions. Uh, first and foremost, integrity is far too strong a term. <laughs> no. Right, I realize yeah. that. But <laughs> Absolutely, categorically not. <laughs> but these are business people. They are criminals, but they are criminals looking to make money. If they do not often, usually, most of the time, give up that decryption key and the decryption key works to at least get back most of your data, well, word's going to get out about that and no one will pay the ransom, and then their business model falls apart. Mm, so typically, okay. typically they do give up the key. Two huge caveats to that, though, Lisa. One, if they find that you have data that is sellable or that could just be damaging to you, there are a number of instances where first you pay for the decryption key, then they try to extort more money from you saying, well, we've made a copy of your data and we're going to leak it unless you pay again. Wow. And that can, that can go on forever. So no, integrity, absolutely not. Right. A business sense, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> there, okay. There's well, somewhere. that puts a bad situation. I couldn't think of another word, but yeah, looking at it from a business standpoint, now that does make sense. But then the whole blackmail scheme, again, takes it to a whole nother level. It does. Most of the ransomware cases that my companies worked, regrettably, we don't get back all the data. And the reason is twofold. Criminals are not known for their rigorous error checking and thorough scrutiny of their code. <laughs> so yes, it encrypts it and usually it gets it back, but have we hit times where their software made a mistake and it's not retrievable anymore? Absolutely. And one tip I give to my clients is that you need to have at least 30% of your hard drives empty. They need to have 30% free space on them. When you encrypt data, in theory, it doesn't get any bigger, but in practice, it does. And hmm. almost every ransomware case that we've worked, there's some big network share where they were running low on space and it had 5% space free. And then the bad guys hit and the encryption starts and it runs the drive out of space. Well, the ransomware just keeps on going. And everything after that point gets turned into hamburger. You can never get it back. Wow. So, yeah. So that's the other part of your, your question. Do you get the key? Typically, yes. Does the key work? For a lot of your data, it works. But for all of it, I've never gotten 100% of it back, not once. Well, and it sounds like just that one tip that you said, as far as keeping 30% empty on your disk, I mean, that can save, that's not only something that you can do right now to check that you have that, but it's yes. something that, that's easy enough to implement, maybe not cheap, but easy enough to implement as that insurance against um, cybercrime. Well said. It's, it, it's kind of like being healthy or driving safely. There's not any one thing you can do, but there are some small tips that can make a huge difference. Having that drive space helps. Multi-factor authentication, absolute silver bullet in this industry. 
offline backups. This is huge. If you get hit, having a copy of your data sitting in a drawer somewhere. Now, if it's up in the cloud, it's a virtual drawer, not a literal drawer. But if it's right. on premise, I mean a literal drawer. <laughs> Go out and buy a large hard drive, or if you're a larger company, a set of hard drives and something called a NAS device or network attached storage. You can make a copy of your data. It doesn't have to be every day, once a week, even once a month. Yes, you might have month old data, but it beats no data. And exactly. having that in a drawer makes it much harder to hack. It needs to be off of your network. If it's on the network, the bad guys will often try to find your backups and delete them before they begin the ransomware attack. And mm. I've hit that again and again and again. Wow. Well, and, and this is all fine and dandy for businesses to protect themselves. But I know a couple of weeks ago, I had a friend of mine that got the quote uh, email from Apple about the oh, $4,000 no. system that they were sending him. And he <laughs> is just a consumer. And I said, Dick, you, you didn't answer that, did you? And he said, yeah, I called him. Well, yeah, yeah they did. And $1,500 later, that is, a, he had to pay to get his own computer system back. So, you know, that's the scary part. This is not just companies. This is hits of computers, of family members. So as individuals, what are some of the things that we can do to protect ourselves? That's a great question. And uh, I wish I hadn't lived examples of what you just talked about, but absolutely. My family has, I've had clients that have, especially people that are business owners or executives, you know, they're pretty easy to look up on LinkedIn. So they know who to go after. The bad guys are very bright. If only we could get them to use their power for the light side of the force. Yeah. <laughs> so what can you do as an individual? Well, I want to reiterate that multi-factor authentication or MFA. All of your important systems should have MFA. Your local computer, it needs a password and it needs to be a reasonably strong one. Using the same password everywhere is a big problem. Uh, Yahoo was breached in 2013 and they got all the passwords. LinkedIn was breached, I think in 2016, they got all the passwords. Well, if you're using those passwords everywhere, if you have the same password pretty much everywhere, think of it like, like your house key. If every single door that you walked through in your life had the same key and you lose one copy of that key that you used at a grocery store, that you used at some retailer, well, now they have your whole life. So a password keeper is a program designed to randomize your passwords everywhere. And then you have one master password to unlock the password keeper. I'm a giant fan. There are lots of them. Uh, they all work well. There's LastPass. There's one password. That's the number one and the word password. There's Dashlane. There's KeePass, K-E-E Pass. Any of these are fine. But a password keeper lets you use different passwords all across the internet. So if one of the websites you visit gets hacked, one website gets hacked, not everything in your life. Having conversations with your loved ones about how cybercrime works and how these schemes work, that you will get fake emails or fake phone calls, or I've even had two fake letters in the snail mail, in our old school mail, that try to get you to do something that you shouldn't do. Or they claim to have video of you uh, cheating on your spouse, or they claim to know about your business misdealings, and if you don't pay up, this, that, and the other. Education about that is absolutely critical. The last thing as consumers you can do is to encrypt your devices at rest. And what that means is that if your smartphone or if your laptop is lost or stolen, you're only out the equipment, that the information on it is protected by that password we talked about initially. 
For Windows computers, it is called BitLocker. It's easy to turn on. For Mac computers, it's called FileVault. Uh, your iPhones will automatically do it unless you disable it, so don't do that. And for Android devices, it kind of varies all across the board. But having these devices encrypted at rest means that your data is safe, even if your device isn't with you. And that's a big positive. Mm. So when it comes to this, these are just scary things. I know every time I'm at a program and there's a cybersecurity person talking there, I know that I'm just going to be really terrified by the end of the program. What about things we talked about password lockers? What about companies like LifeLock? Is there and locking your credit cards, freezing your credit scores, those yeah. other type of things that are out there? I have mixed feelings about those. Let's start with credit freezes. I'm a fan. So okay. because of Equifax now, you can lock your credit for free. You can unlock it for free. Uh, they used to charge for that, which I think was criminal. I'm glad it's free now. But unless you have a need to take out a new credit card, to take out a car loan, to take out a home loan, I think freezing your credit with all three of the major creditors, it is Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. You have to do all three of them separately. It really makes it hard for someone to pretend to be you and take out a loan in your name or try to buy a car in your name or that kind of thing. So I'm a big fan. If you happen to own rental properties or you change cell phone plans a lot, I want to warn your listeners that if you need to transfer the utilities for your rental property into your name in between different renters, well, they're going to need to check your credit for that. So you'd have to unfreeze it. And if you want to move from T-Mobile to Verizon or Verizon to T-Mobile, they'll probably check your credit. I still think it's a good idea. LifeLock, I think there is some utility there. I think that someone spending a little bit of time to shore up their own defenses is far more powerful than a tool or a service like LifeLock. You can't pay someone else to do the work you need to do to be healthy. And if you want to be cyber healthy, there's some work that you, you should do yourself. Getting rid of that old Windows 7 computer that you know you can't patch anymore because it's been out of service for a year and a half, but you just don't want to quite get rid of it. I'd rather see people put the money into buying a new Windows 10 device that's fully patchable with good antivirus on it than I would see them subscribe to something like LifeLock. Okay. So we've talked about the main things of having an MFA for all of your personal and business accounts, Yes. having a password keeper, freezing your credit. What would be some of your other best tips for protecting yourself from cyber criminals? Sure. Educating you and your workforce on cybercrime is a very good idea. There are lots of programs you can use. Sending uh, fake malicious emails. So phishing, and that's with a PH, phishing your employees with emails that look like they could have been from a cyber criminal, but really they're you trying to teach them how to spot those so they don't click on a link that they shouldn't. That is a big step forward. And I have a lot of my clients doing that on a monthly basis, and it pays over real dividends. The last thing you can do, and it almost turns this on its head where it can be more of a competitive advantage for your company, there are some certifications that your company can get to show you have a reasonable cybersecurity program. There are things like a SOC 2, S-O-C and the number 2, a SOC 2 certification. Or for those in manufacturing, you're probably familiar with ISO. ISO 27001 is the ISO cybersecurity certification. These can take some time. It's not the right thing for everybody. But if the product or service that your company is uh, providing others 
could be given a competitive advantage. If your salespeople could go into a meeting saying, well, we are ISO 27001 certified, and here's how that keeps you, our customers, safer than our competitors. That's a good positive conversation. That's what Volvo did 40 years ago, saying our cars are safer than the others, and here's why you should buy them. It's the same sort of thing. It's just in the cyber world now. Well, wonderful. Well, Bryce, you have given us so much information to keep us safe. So how is it that you work with your crim- with your with your criminals? <laughs> <laughs> with the criminals, I try to talk do them down into lower <laughs> ransomware uh, payments as well. How is it that you work with your <laughs> How is it that you work with your customers? And if people did want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, sure. Uh, My company is called TCE Strategy, which stands for Technology and Cybersecurity Education. And we act as a company's quote unquote attorney on retainer in the cybersecurity advisory space. So we're, we're not attorneys, but we try to give good unfettered fiduciary style advice as to what makes up a secure enough cybersecurity posture for you as a business owner, as executive, for the company that you work for, for you as an individual. Please feel free to look us up at tcestrategy.com. I've also written a book to help educate others on this topic. It is called Secure Enough, 20 Questions on Cybersecurity for Business Owners and Executives. Uh, It is available on Amazon. I recommend people buy it often and in large quantity. Uh, in all seriousness, though, it's a, a couple hour read and it will give you a lot of the basics that you need so that you can ask good questions to your IT staff or your outsourced managed service provider that runs your, your IT staff. Uh, finally, uh, my company and I provide speaking services if you'd like to have someone speak at your company or the organization that you're a part of about real world cybersecurity. Wonderful. Well, again, Bryce, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, thank you for the opportunity, Lisa. I appreciate it. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.